Uh, wow, it's so good to see you guys, every one of you. Thank you for being here. Thank you to Pastor for this opportunity just to be a part of the Saturate Weekend. And, and I'm telling you, man, from last night to tonight, can you see the progress that we have made? I mean, last night was great, but we're at a different level tonight, church. I mean, you can just tell that. And I, I've always told people there will always be incredible value when you set aside regular schedule and just get together for a few extra days with God. There will always be extreme value with that because what that does is that stops our normal physical calendar and what we are doing and distracted with and we're just meeting with God every day. Do you see why they were seeing people saved every day in the early church? Because they got together and had church every day. Can you imagine how good your life would be if you want to experience that? Come on the road with me. Come be with me as an evangelist. I don't get to do it as much as because, but I'm seeing that there's a fresh hunger and, and, and churches are starting to have a multi-day meetings once again. And man, when I get to go to do youth camps, I'm just in service every day in the morning, at night. You can't help but be encouraged and full of the power of God and, and excited. And so thank you so much for, for getting here tonight, no matter what you had to do. I know some of you worked, some of you had a busy, busy day, but I know that God is going to honor that. And then, man, we're going we're gonna to finish out this uh, incredible weekend in the morning at 9 o'clock and at 11 o'clock. And, man, let's, uh, let's get the invitations out there. Come on, let's call somebody tonight, email them, text them, Facebook. Uh, tweet them, do whatever you have to do, and uh, let's see this house of God filled up to capacity in both services tomorrow, man. Wouldn't that be great? Thank you uh, for being here. And, and also, thanks just on a personal note, thank you for praying for Heather and I as, as we are full-time evangelists. This is our home church, and uh, I know sometimes you, you see me and sometimes you don't see me, and uh, we really appreciate your prayers, and uh, we have... We have prayer cards available that would help you to remind you to pray for us uh, as, as I go all over the world. And uh, next week I'll be in Paris. Don't get too excited. It's Paris, Texas, okay? Uh, they, have a, they have an Eiffel Tower there, but it's a small one, okay? Uh, but some great friends of mine have spoken for for many, many years. Be there next weekend, and then the next weekend I will be in... Um, Council Bluff, Iowa, which is just across the river from Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, pray for Nebraska. They're going through a rough time. They are 0 and 6 at the University of Nebraska this year. That's just tough, you know. You know, you know pray for them. Uh, but uh, and then the next week I'll be going to Ukraine uh, to minister and set up a, a soccer salvation camp for next summer. We're excited about that. And then the next week I'll be in the far off place called Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Uh, just uh, down about 20 minutes uh, away from um, Gettysburg, right? Yes. Great church down there. Bethel, uh, great friends, the pastor, great friends of Earl and Danielle. And uh, can I, I don't know the situation. They had scheduled me for a revival, but they, uh, they had to cancel that. And they're just having me for a Sunday, but uh, I have no idea what they're going through. But the um, pastor's uh, assistant just emailed me and said, please be praying for pastor in the church because they are really 
uh, battling something. I don't know what it is, but as as fellow churches, uh, as the body of Christ, we need to lift up our our, our fellow churches and pastors, and 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 I just think it would be great for me to be able to say in a few weeks when I go there uh, that. We just stopped in a service and prayed for them. Can we do that right now? Uh, can we can we pray uh, for sweet, sweet pastors? I mean, they uh, we got to speak for them last year, and uh, they've really went through some things there, and they're trying to get things turned around, and uh, just a great church and great people. Um, can we just pray for them right now? Bethel and Littlestown. Father, I just thank you and praise you. Uh, that we could come to the throne of grace and, and pray and believe for uh, moments like this, that, Lord, we may not know the details, but, God, we do know that you're able to, God, provide and bless. God, I, I just pray for this body of Christ. I pray for Bethel Church. Uh, I, I pray for whatever is taking place that the enemy is trying to discourage. But God, I pray right now that there would be a standard that has arisen around them. Lord, that they're right now that the, the flood of the enemy and the strategy of the enemy, the Lord, it would be exposed and shut down in the name of Jesus, that this would be a turnaround weekend for them. God, I believe it right now. I pray for an encouragement to, into pastor and his family's life. God, I pray encouragement right now as they prepare to speak tomorrow and have service tomorrow. God, I just pray that they would have a breakthrough Sunday tomorrow that they would experience an anointing and a provision and a blessing like never before, that this would be a moment that they truly can see the hand of God. We thank you and we lift them up to you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. You know what? Would you stand for the reading of God's word with me for just a moment? Um, I am... <laughs> I, uh, turn with me to Acts chapter 21, but uh, pastor, did, uh, did I tell you, did I call you or anything today telling you what my message was going to be on tonight? If you can't see him, he's shaking his head no. We had no correspondence today. Uh, pastor, did you tell me what songs that you were going to lead tonight? He says, no, not again. My wife on the worship team, babe, did you tell me what songs that y'all were going to do tonight? So, see, uh, I had no idea. Don't you love when God confirms things? Don't you love that? You're going to see in just a moment that when they started singing that, that, that song, uh, this is how we fight our battles. It was a confirmation of what God's word is going to be tonight. So what that should say to you and what that said to me is God's in this place and he's lining everything up. And so the worship and the word are lined up with what God is wanting to do. And so what that means is there is an environment for the supernatural and the miraculous to take place in here. And so, you know, I'm like, I love that when that happens and I'm just standing there and God confirms through the worship of exactly the word and the message that God has that this afternoon that uh, I was uh, working on and, and writing out as God was giving him. In Acts chapter 21, um, 
in verse 27, Acts 21, verse 27, when the seven days were nearly over, some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, shouting, Men of Israel, help us. This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against our people and our law and this place. And besides, he has brought Greeks into the temple area and defiled this holy place. They had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, in the city with Paul and assumed that Paul had brought him into the temple area. Father, I thank you for this chance that we have on this Saturday night. Open our hearts, Lord. May we hear exactly what you desire to say to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Um, I, this is a phrase that I know that you have heard, no doubt, many times, just like I've heard it. How many times have you heard someone say this in the church? Hey, we may lose some battles, but we win the war. We know that we win the war because God has won the war, right? We've always heard that. Well, God began to speak to me about that because he is wanting to talk to us tonight about the strategy of the enemy in taking us out or taking marriages out or family out or destinies, dreams, uh, whatever it may be, battle by battle. Now, we may win the war, we know where we're headed, and we know where the enemy is headed, but the tragedy is the victims of battles lost. There's marriages, there's ministries, there's people that are not in this church right now. Because of a battle that was lost. And so the tragedy would be that we would, we would allow ourselves to be sucked into thinking, well, I'm headed to heaven, praise God. You may not be. Because the enemy has a strategy to take you out. And let me tell you, he doesn't care who you are. And he doesn't care how long you've served God. And he doesn't care how much you've given in tithes and offerings. And he doesn't care how many services that you have been in consistently. He has a strategy to take you out. And he doesn't play according to the rules. He's all about the cheap shots. He does not care. There's, a, there's, there's this uh, big... Uh, push in, in football right now to protect the players that they've come up with a targeting foul and, and, it, and man it is driving people crazy I mean uh, players are getting ejected and, and they just tackled a guy and, and, and this whole thing and the whole idea of this was was to try to get rid of cheap shots in football games well, at the end of the day, you, you can try, but you will never effectively get rid of all cheap shots because you can't always see what's happening in the bottom of the pile. When there is a huge pile, there are things being said and things being done that no ref can see. 
And that's exactly what the enemy uses, the strategy of chaos to distract help. Because you are in it every day. I was brought to this story, this, this amazing story of Paul because he was a target just like you and I are a target. You may not think you're a target of the enemy. You may not think you're on the enemy's radar, but let me assure you, you are. This is laughable. I don't know if you read this story ever that I just read to you, and I didn't read it all, but look at it. Okay, Paul, his first crime was he was at church. Let me tell you something. Satan doesn't like you going to church. Right? Brittany's going through cancer. She decided to come and be here tonight with her kids, and guess what happened? She can't find her keys. That's good. That's a good excuse why not to come. Thank God for mom and dad that live close by that were on their way to church. See, God is always going to give you a way out of your excuse, but you got to decide to not allow that excuse to be the final victory in what the enemy has set out to do. You will always stir up the enemy because you decided to get your family to church. You will always be. So, so Paul's big crime was he was at church, and it stirred up a whole crowd, and they seized him. Imagine, Paul's just standing there. This whole crowd just comes up, seized him, shouting, Men of Israel! Help us. You would think it was like Osama bin Laden. You would think it was Saddam Hussein. You would think it was some, some crazy, you know, uh, killer, murderer. Shouting, men of Israel, help us. Now get this. The enemy will always stretch it. This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against our people and our law and this place. All men everywhere. Wow, Paul, you are incredible. I mean, you are everywhere at all times preaching against the church, preaching against us people. Have you ever noticed that? When the enemy comes in, I mean, he stirs up such I mean, I mean, it's amazing. Just, if you don't believe me, just get on Facebook. Oh, my goodness. You should take very little Facebook with your life, okay? Very little. Just, just, it'll just drag you down. Just like getting on the news and all those things. I mean, you would think if you flip on a news channel, if you would just start looking at Facebook, all the posts, you would think the world is ending tomorrow or maybe tonight. And everything is happening and everything is bad. I mean, can you imagine Paul just standing there going, really? You're stirring up a whole crowd because you just saw me standing here at church. And now I am the man that has went out preaching to all men everywhere against you, against your law. Against the church. Oh, it gets better. 
look. And besides, he has brought Greeks into the temple area. Oh, my goodness. Are you, are you getting this? Is that not hilarious? They were charging him with, he brought a Greek to church. Ooh, you are bad. Shame on you, Paul. It gets better. No, seriously. They are accusing him of doing something that is apparently really, really bad to bring a Greek to church. And look at verse 29. The only reason they thought that is because they assumed. They saw, a, they saw this guy in town at the same time Paul was. And they just assumed that Paul brought him into the temple area. Wow. Doesn't it feel like that is your life sometimes? Seriously? I got up to go through this today? Really? I mean, this is exactly what we need to realize and recognize. Why is this in the Bible? Why, why do we need to know this? It's because God wants you to know the strategy that the, the enemy uses. And, and so many times we come in, we come in with our hair on fire saying, oh no, my world is falling apart. Everything is going downhill because the enemy has just got you all stirred up because the enemy said, oh, I saw you, I saw you with the Greek in town. So you brought him to the temple and now because of that, we're going to kill you. Do you understand that we have all power and authority over heaven and earth and anything that the enemy would try to come and use against you? You have the power and the authority in the name of Jesus to say, get out, get out of my mind, get out of my body, get out of my family, get out of my marriage, get out of my house, get out of my children, get out of my grandchildren, get out of my finances. Do you recognize and realize that the enemy wants to throw assumptions up against you? Do you realize that if the church did not allow the strategy of the enemy of assumptions, we would be so much further down the road to seeing the victory that God has for us? Because we all do it. I mean, we all do it. The test results come back. What do we do? We assume. We assume the worst. We, we look at what the stock market did this week. Okay, there goes my retirement. We assume. You know, we're also very good at assuming. We're very, very good at assuming when we see someone else struggling in the body of Christ. We assume the worst. And what we should be doing is not wasting time on assuming something about them that we have no idea about them. And what we should be doing is praying instead of assuming. What we should be doing is encouraging instead of assuming. You see, the strategy of the people was just to assume something about Paul. Isn't it amazing? Uh, 
as, as someone that travels a whole lot, um, because I fly so many places, I have to rent a lot of cars. And something that I would have never realized if I didn't travel and rent a lot of cars is, uh, this was not always the case, but several years ago, rental car companies caught on to something. It was a genius thing. They wanted better cars because used to a rental car meant a Taurus or, you know, like just some plain little car that was just that someone was going to abuse while they rented it, right? You know the phrase, it's a rental. So we don't care what we do, run it, ram it, race it, whatever. You know, it's a rental. I'm going to turn it in. It's not my car. I don't have to worry about the long-term effects. So I scraped along the side of my tire. It doesn't matter. It's not mine. I'm turning it back in. It's a rental. It's because that's the way it used to be. But what, what car companies and rental car companies got together on this genius thing. And this is what I saw. I literally saw it. A transition that took place that all of a sudden, uh, and, and, and because I rent so many, I, I, I have a status with them. Uh, it's executive, uh, emerald, club elite, blah, 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 whatever. That just means when I get to the rental car place for a national, national is the brand I use, when I get there, I don't have to go stand in line. I can go out, and there's the executive emerald aisle line, and there's usually multiple lines of cars that have that sign over it for people that are executive emerald elite, and we get to go out and pick any of those cars in those lines. The keys are in them. They have a thing hanging on the rearview mirror with a computer code, and we can go any of them. doesn't matter that we reserve the low price. We get double, triple, quadruple upgrades depending on the cars. I mean, some cool cars now. I mean, some, some cars that I would not normally get to drive. Uh, you know, uh, a Camaro, or a Mustang, uh, an Audi, uh, BMW, all these kind of cool cars that, you know, uh, Jeeps, you know, these just Jeep cool and fills back their amen to me and 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 this is these are these are some cool things and this is what happened is um, the the companies uh, the rental car companies wanted better cars because if they have better cars then they'll get more customers to come to them and the car companies understood this if we get our good cars the cars with all of the benefits, all of the safety features, all of these cool cars, if we can get them into the rental car companies, then when someone comes and rents that car, they're going to love it so much that when they get home, they're going to want to buy it. And so what happened because of that, I am driving all of my, my car. It, we have one car. It has 103,000 miles on it. Uh, we've had it, uh, what, 10 years, babe, something like that? Uh, eight years, eight years. We had it eight years. Um, so uh, we're eight years behind all technology with cars, okay? That's just the way it is. And I get in all these rental cars, and I'm like, wow, I didn't even know this was possible. One day I'm driving along, and all of a sudden my whole seat starts vibrating. 
and not in a good massage vibrating. It wasn't like, oh, I like this. It was like, shock me. Like, you know, what was that? And it was apparently a new safety feature. I got too close to a car. What, we shock people now? And I had a wreck that you were trying to avoid? But I didn't know it was coming? I mean, I, I didn't buy the car. I didn't go through all of the benefits. I didn't know what all. And all of a sudden, you know. And, and this, is, this is a new, apparently, another thing that I really do not like. Apparently, when you're on cruise control and you're going along an interstate and you get too close to a car because it can sense now that there is a cow 50 yards off, it can sense that there's a semi up here and a car back there. If I'm driving along the interstate in cruise control and I get a, too close to the car on how fast I'm going, my car automatically slows down. Uh, no, I, I got a se 75. Go 75 until I tap that brake. No, it says. It's not safe. So now I'm down to 51 miles per hour. But I'm on a tollway, and it says I can go 80. But my car says not safe. All of these, you know, airbags, all of these sensors, I mean... I mean, it, it's really cool, all these things that are advancing. And so what, what I want you to understand is, is that just the way the car companies begin to anticipate and see all of these wrecks and these tragedies taking place, they said, what if we begin to do this? Do you know now all the tragedies that I cannot even imagine what it would be like? One of the worst cheap shots of all time is when people forget a baby or a child in the back seats and it's hot and they get out of the car and that baby dies a horrible death and as crazy as that sounds when you hear some of the situations you, you, you say this should not happen in today's world this should not happen and because of that car companies now have come up if there, there's a weight sensor if you even put a book bag in the back seat if you put anything back there it will ding it will show up on the dashboard when you are getting out of the car it says check in the back seat look in back seat something like that what a genius idea now, if a car company could come up with all of this to help us to be safe, to save a child from dying a horrible death, baking in the back seat because they were forgotten, because someone gets crashed in, run in, somebody falls asleep, all the things that we've come up. Can I not tell you that your creator that loves you and he sent his son Jesus Christ to the cross to die for you so that you could make it to heaven, then let me tell you, he has safety features in effect. He wants you to make it and no matter what Satan comes up with and he has come up with some strategies that are crazy let me tell you God has what you need to be protected he has what your marriage needs to be protected he has what your body needs to be healed and protected can I tell you tonight that some of you are sitting here and you are so sick and tired of dealing with the cheap shots and the low shots that the enemy is using against you. Can I tell you tonight that this is a battle that you are going to win? You're going to win.
what they did to Paul. All because of this craziness. This is what happens in life. I remember one time I was, uh, um, I had flown into Niamey, Niger, a Muslim country, very, very difficult, uh, dangerous country. And it was a, a time when there was a lot of uh, political unrest and there was a lot of anti-American sentiment uh, because uh, of us uh, fighting against uh, the terrorists, the, the, the extreme uh, Muslims in the world. And because this was a Muslim country, they were, they were stirred up against us. And there was, uh, there was a lot of travel um, uh, warnings and... The missionary picked me up at the airport, and I was having another guy fly in, but he missed his flight, and so he had to um, he had to catch another connection, and so he wasn't able to make it the same day I made it. And this is uh, this is what happened. So he he's coming in the next day, and the chief of security for the American embassy there in Niamey called the missionary's house because he had uh, records of all Americans living there in Niger. And he called and he says, do not leave your house today. Do not leave your house today. There is a lot of unrest. There is a lot of, of uh, crowds coming together to protest America and you will stand out. You will be a target. Do not. Well, my buddy was now landing, and we had to go to the airport. And thankfully, we got there. We got back without any incident. But uh, they, they figured out that we were there. And so this missionary's house and it, uh, was um, the house they lived in. They had a huge wall all the way around. And... Everybody else was inside, and I walked out, and I was just walking around the yard just praying. And all of a sudden, I just began to hear something. And what was happening is that they surrounded the missionary's house, and they just started chunking rocks and anything they could over the wall at us and at the house. And I was like, really, God? This is, this is, I just flew from Dallas to Frankfurt, Germany, a 10 and a half hour flight. I had a 10 and a half hour layover after flying 10 and a half hours. Then I had to fly now another seven, eight hours down into Niamey. You mean I flew all this way just so somebody could surround us and kill us like this? I, I didn't die that day, obviously, uh, but after I left and flew back from that trip, that missionary would actually be shot while driving in his vehicle. It would shoot through the door. It would hit his leg, and he would have to be flown to Paris for emergency surgery to save his life and his leg. And the reality is, is that you, you realize very quickly when you get into a lot of places in the world that there is a, uh, a lot of people that are dealing with the strategy of the enemy and the cheap shots. But just because you know that you will not be surrounded tonight 
by some gang, some crazy crowd that is ready to lynch you or beat you, the reality is the enemy has the cheap shot just for you, just for your marriage, just for your child, your grandchild, your job, your destiny, your finances. And when we look at what they did with Paul, this is what happened. It says the whole city, in verse 30, it says the whole city was aroused, stirred up, a frenzy. And it says the people came running from all directions. They seized Paul. They dragged him from the temple, and immediately the gates were shut. And it says, while they were trying to kill him, the commander of the Roman troops heard about it. They rushed down there, and it says, when the rioters saw the commander and his soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. And it says, immediately, Paul was arrested. And ordered to be bound with two chains. And then he was asked what he had done. And the crowd shouted. Worked up in a frenzy. Um, there's been many situations in my personal life that the enemy has tried to stop me from doing what I've done to be a full-time evangelist, but way before that happened, there was, there was two different people that had the ultimate cheap shot happen to them that has influenced my life. The first was my grandfather, my father's father. He had not always been saved. They had five children. My grandparents had five children. My dad was the youngest. He was a baby. And he was three years old. And my grandfather had just went through such a transformation in his life that not only did he give his heart and life to God, but he surrendered to the call of the ministry. Now, like there had been no ministers in that family. And he finally surrendered to the call of the ministry. And it was the day after Christmas, they were traveling home from the holidays, and all four kids, my dad's brothers and sisters were in the backseat. This is obviously many, 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 many years ago, way before there were seatbelts and baby seats and all those laws that totally took away all the fun because, I mean, we got to crawl up in the back window back then those days. We got to lay in the back of pickup trucks with sleeping bags while mom and dad drove for hours and just look up in the sky. I mean, no, no, no. I mean, kids, and this is what I see all the time in third world countries. I mean, babies being held by mamas up in the front seat of a car, you know. I mean, kids hanging out the walls, you know, out the windows. And it just, it's just, you know, none of this. I mean, we, we are consumed with safety so much now. Now we got, you got to, what, put a dog in a dog seat and have them tethered down and the baby safe? I mean, I mean, you're taking away. I mean, the dogs should be able to have their head out the window, tail wagging, and spit going all the way into the next car. I mean, 
uh, this is crazy what we do. But so my my dad, being the three year old and wanting to being the youngest, he needed to be close to my grandma. And so she he's sitting up front in the front seat with my grandma and my grandpa. And about that time, a young 21-year-old drunk driver smashes into their car. And the wreck was so violent that uh, it, for the next 24 hours, slowly killed my grandpa. And my grandmother was thrown out the other side of the car, going face first. And it gouged one of her eyeballs out. And her eyeball, remembered by her oldest daughter, she's the one that remembers the wrecks the most. Remember seeing her mother get up, blood streaming down her face, and her eyeball hanging all the way down to her waist. That woman was one of the most incredible, nicest women that you will ever meet in your life. That mother of those five kids, the only thing that she had was her husband finally said yes to the ministry. And what did she get out of the deal? Her husband was killed, and she lost her one eye. my grandmother would raise all five kids by herself, never remarry, live with herself until she was in her 80s, until one day she had a stroke. The reason I share that story to you is, is my grandfather did not get to preach one message. He didn't get to fulfill the call in his life. My father and any, none of his brothers would feel the call, but it jumped a generation to a young grandson that would have never believed that I could get to have a chance to be a part of making sure that the cheap shots of the enemy all around the world, that even though the enemy would try and destroy so many lives and so many destinies, that I get to come in there and I get to tell them, hey, I know that life has not been fair. I know that you have been through pain that nobody should have to go through. I know that you have faced tragedy that nobody should have to face, but the reality is I got some good news. I get to tell you about Jesus Christ and how he has the ability to heal a broken heart. He has the ability to heal a shattered life. He has the ability to heal your body, your mind, your heart, your emotions. Can I tell you, if my grandmother can get up from a wreck in which her husband was killed and she has five kids all to raise alone with now only one eye, then let me tell you, there is no cheap shot that should get in the way of the destiny that God has planned for your life. Because it was that grandmother that raised my, my, my father in the house of God in the word of God so that he would raise this young man into the house of God and the word of God so that somebody could know that it's not time to give up. There are two things. There are two areas that, that we need to understand. First of all is we need to quit assuming 
and start believing and praying for one another. You see, God says when two or three get together in the name of Jesus Christ, anything is possible. And may I tell you, we gotta, We are stronger together. We are stronger together. You are stronger when you are a part of a church, a family. When we, this is what we've got to understand is, is that there is a strategy of the enemy to isolate you in your pain, in your addiction, in your suicidal thoughts, in the actions and the things that you don't want anybody else to know. But that is an assumption that the enemy is using to destroy you. So what I want to challenge the body of Christ is, is that we start trusting one another with what we're dealing with. Because every one of us in this room are dealing with something. And what the enemy is doing consistently, because life is not fair, and life will attack us in ways that you should never have to go through. He's counting on you giving up. And so many do. It starts very simply. They don't just give up on life. But they give up on the Bible. They give up on church. They give up on fellowship. They give up on themselves because they're so disappointed. And they give up on their marriage and then they give up on their children and they give up on their destiny and their purpose. And then all of a sudden, there's an empty spot. There's an empty space. Um, I was the last person that you would ever think be used in a children's ministry. In fact, I think more people know me as the soccer guy than the evangelist. All of which is crazy, 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 because I don't play soccer and I never felt a specific call to children, and yet now I'm known for a soccer ministry to children all over the world. And it goes back to when I was a youth pastor and one of the young men in my youth ministry, his name Chad, had every potential in the world and he was called into children's ministry and the enemy doesn't care about the lives that you're supposed to touch. So he will use the strategy to take a credible young man with every potential raised in the house of God to get him off to college where he would join a fraternity and he would start drinking. And one night, drunk, got in a fight, hit in the head, falls down, hits his head on the concrete in a coma taken to the hospital, brain dead. Two days later, dead. 
And I'll never forget one of the ugliest cheap shot moments that I've seen. As I showed up at the hospital in downtown Fort Worth, there were so many people that showed up, they had to open up a huge conference room that would accommodate, I think, approximately around 200 people. Chad was laying in ICU. Family only allowed to go up there. And this youth pastor takes the elevator. I'll never forget, out of all the hospitals that I walked in my life, I'll never forget stepping off the elevator and immediately right across is a mom and a dad standing there with their lives devastated as any parent would. And that father walks this youth pastor into that room. And a young man that I had poured into and loved that had a calling upon his life to reach children was laying there completely motionless, head so swollen, tubes and wires running in and out of his body. Chad, you may never got to pour into a child's life. But I will for you. Grandpa, I never got to meet you. One day, but I just have to let the enemy know it was a bad strategy. But he thought he could use the cheap shots to stop those ministries from happening. Because all that did was make God double down. Important to a young man that he himself would know what it's like to have a wife reject him and walk out on him. Know what it's like to have cancer spread into his body. Know what it's like to be dying there in front of his wife. Know what it's like to lay there in pain with a broken spine in four places. Know what it's like to be held down by multiple child pedophiles to be molested, know what it's like to grab this shotgun out of my mom's hand so she wouldn't kill herself, know what it's like to separate my brother and my dad as they're fighting in the kitchen and blood is going everywhere as my mom's trying to call the cops and I'm hanging up the phone because I'm pleading for God to intervene. There will be times in your life that the cheap shots come that you did not expect, but I'm here to tell you that God, just the way that he provided for Paul, even though the enemy and the crowd wanted to take him out, let me tell you, you are not alone. You 
you are not alone tonight and God stands with you and it is not a time to give up. It's a time to get up and it's a time to believe that our God is able because we are not surrounded just by the enemy, but we are surrounded by Almighty God. This is how we fight our battles. It is through power, it is through might, and it is together because together we're stronger. Together we make it. Together we encourage. Together we are not alone. Together we can pray and encourage one another. Come on, everybody, stand with me if you would. Father, I I come against every strategy of the enemy, Lord. I know that uh, it has broken your heart so many times, God, to see the strategies of the enemy that he is using to destroy lives, to destroy potentials, to destroy destinies. And God, I know that uh, you have some incredible things planned. God, I, I know that there is every potential in the world in this room, but I do know that the enemy wants to use the lies and the deception and the assumptions that the enemy would use to lie to us. God, I, I pray right now that those that would be here tonight, that you're overwhelmed There are so many areas that you need a breakthrough in. There are so many areas that you need a turnaround. There are so many things that are weighing on you that it's hard to find the peace, joy. Well, let me tell you, this night is for you. Satan wants you to assume that you're the only one that struggles in that area. The the enemy wants you to assume that nobody else in this room would possibly even think those things, do those things. But the reality is that all of us in this room struggle. There are always strategies that the enemy knows that it is an area of weakness. It is is fear that the enemy can stir up very quickly. It is. See, I, I I don't tell you things about me personally for for any other purpose but just to let you know that we all struggle with these things. I'll be honest. I'm tired of being in pain. I, I struggle every day to get up and to go and do what I'm called to do and get on another plane and and pick up another luggage and sleep in another bed when I'm hurting so bad and, and my back from the top of it to the bottom is all messed up. Messed up, messed up. Mistakes. Broken screws. Fractures. Fractures they fixed, fractures they didn't fix. Pain 
says, more surgery, more injections, more medicine, more this, more that. And I just feel like I need to be open and honest so that we all can be open and honest tonight because nothing will happen and nothing of benefit will take place unless we all come to the place right now that this night is about fighting our battles with one another, that we are not alone and we don't have to be alone. We don't assume the worst and we don't assume that you are bad. No, we are brothers and sisters and we are stronger together and we will accomplish more together when we encourage one another, when we fight for one another, when we pray for one another, when we lift up one another, when we encourage one another. Maybe that's husband and wife. It is not the plan of God for you to fight and and constantly pull aside and pull away and it's my side it's your side it's it, it's no it's about coming together as husband and wife it's coming together as families that we are better when we are together we are stronger when we look at each other and say I love you, and I pray for you, and I believe in you. And tonight, no matter what you're going through, whether it's a disease, whether it's pain, whether it's depression, whether it's suicidal thoughts, whether it's an addiction, whether it's a bondage, whether it's something that happened years ago, maybe it's somebody that you had problems with. It doesn't matter what the cheap shot that the enemy is trying to use, the strategy, the battle. Let me tell you, yes, the war is won, but the battle matters. And just like God has victory for the war, he has victory for the battle. Because the battle can destroy us, it can defeat us, it can destroy our marriage, our potential, everything. It can take us down. And I've been there. I know what it's like to be so worn down and so desperate just to tell someone, so desperate for somebody just to pray with me and encourage me. And that's what tonight is about. That's why Pastor has a vision for this weekend that we need one another. And these are special times that we come together. So with every head bowed, I just want to quickly ask, just simple, not playing games. Say, Ron, I'm in a battle right now. I'm in a battle right now, and I need God. I need God to touch me in a supernatural way. Pray for me. That you just raise your hand. Come on. So many hands are going up. Come on. Come on, we didn't come on a Saturday night. We did not go through what we went through. We are not going to lose this battle. We're going to win the war, and we're going to win this battle. If you got your hand raised, I want you to join me. I'm joining down here right now. Come on, everybody, right now. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, this is where we start right now. Come on. Come on, we're going to fight our battles together, one another, one another, one another. Come on, we're not going to walk out of here defeated. We're not going to give up. We're not going to give up on our marriage, our children, our grandchildren, our purpose, our destiny. We're not going to give up on our bodies. We're not going to give up our purpose. Come on. Come on. You're fighting. You're in a battle. God loves you so much. 
God's got healing in this room tonight. God's got deliverance. God's got love. God's got the overwhelming presence of God. We're better together. We're better together. We're coming together. We're going to fight together. We're going to pray together. We're going to be together.